as you know, we always encourage you all to like, share, and subscribe, not only to the Green Rush Live, but all of our shows. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube, or perhaps you should be watching on YouTube, you can actually subscribe to us there because we're only 480 subscribers away from 10,000. And our goal was to hit that 10,000 mark by the end of this year. So we'd really like to share this with all of your friends. Please like, share, subscribe. You know how it works. I'm Jimmy Young, by the way, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media. Uh, and I'm so happy to have two people in the studio. Well, actually in our little Zoom studio uh, with me today. One is Sarah Falvo from ArcView. Sarah, good to see you. Nice and see Heidi you. Ernest, an attorney. Also, well, she was born and raised in Chicago. You went to Wake Forest. Heidi, but you're a very, you're an attorney. Tell us a little bit about what the work that you're doing in your law firm. And then we'll get back to Sarah to hear about her women in inclusion uh, event that she's involved with. Go ahead. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I think we're going to have a lot of overlaps here. So thank you for the invitation to kick this off. Um, you know, I have been uh, running my own law firm serving the cannabis industry exclusively for the last about five years now. And I've been involved in the industry with a firm prior to that. But there's been a lot of changes in the industry, a lot that we could anticipate and a lot that we could not. And one of the reasons that I chose to join a national law firm now and to chair their cannabis practice is because a lot of the issues that we do see in the industry, I think can be remedied um, in major ways by putting women back into leadership positions in these companies. Um, everything from the success of the companies to more equitable distributions of financing options to the pure products available to the consumers who want to have them. We were just having a chat a moment ago about an innovative pro uh, you know, product that you had just heard about. And yes. women really do drive that innovation. So for me, I was looking for a firm where I could really deploy a lot of top level expert resources into this industry with my existing connections. And it was important to put women in those roles, not only to serve the industry, but to also make sure that my clients are successful. And we find that when you have women service providers, and when you have people who are women leading your business, you're more successful. Right. And, and, by, and by the way, that's why we do this show, because Sarah, I'm sure you can attest to this stat. I'm pretty sure it was about four years ago that there was about 27% women in C-level positions in cannabis. And that number has now gone down to single digits, right? So yes. Sarah, tell us a little bit about ArcView, what you do for them and your women inclusion event. Go ahead. Absolutely. So. ArcView has been around for a while, almost a dozen years now, which is wild. Um, we started off as being the place to go to connect capital to those in the industry who were seeking it. Um, things have grown over the last few years, especially with the pandemic. So we've launched a couple other divisions, including our consulting division, which I also work on, and our capital group. We have our venture fund run by Jeff Finkel and Jean Sullivan, and we also have our women's inclusion network. So this was actually launched as a formal membership group about um, a little less than two years ago. So we have over 250 women from the cannabis industry in the group. They come from all verticals and even just the canicurious who are looking to get into the space. And what we do with this group is really arm these women with the tools they need to succeed. So whether that's launching a business from scratch, scaling into other states, 
raising capital or just general support, that's what we're here for. So we do that through various programmings and connections. And Heidi said it before, you know, utilizing our connections. That's really what this is all about. And I think, you know, women tend to do that very well. So it's just exciting. And we're actually having an event on Thursday for the group, which I'm so excited about. All right. You're going to, that's a good tease. You know, that's what they say <laughs> in television, right? That's yes. a good tease. Hold that thought. We'll make sure we get your plugs in on, on that. Uh, to me, and you, you mentioned this, Sarah, just, just now, it's access to capital that seems to be the real barrier to entry into the cannabis industry for whether you're an ancillary product or a plant touching product. Um, Heidi, uh, you're now in Washington State, am I right? Uh, yes, uh, my office is in Washington, yes, but we and practice course, in more than 30 states. Right, and that was the first one in, as they say. And, I, and, and we have a guy named Josh Kincaid who does the uh, talking hedge out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he tells us about, even though they were the first ones in, it's almost like they have to undo what got them to the starting line. Now, it, 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 it's a, this is no disrespect to the community. I, I, I would ha be happy to have it legalized. The federal government is not ready to legalize this product. Nobody has confidence in our federal government right now to even pass something that, oh, I don't know, doesn't have anything to do with cannabis, but let's just keep moving on that, okay? Heidi, what is the atmosphere as far as uh, changing things for the better in Washington state? You know, that's amazing that you're, you're really dialing in on that because it's definitely something that uh, the West Coast is... Um, sensing and feeling with all of this enthusiasm about what's happening on the East Coast. And you're absolutely right. Early on, there was a lot of litigation we did that was very, it was impact litigation because the regulations were new and the regulators themselves were making mistakes. So businesses entered into business plans, various contracts, various financing agreements that made sense under the existing regulations, but now they've changed the game. And in a lot of times, in a lot of situations, we're finding our clients have their hands tied behind their backs at this point. There's no ability for them to um, discharge some of their obligations under several, you know, their loan agreements, their lease agreements, things like that, that made sense under the existing structure before. There's no way out. So we are seeing a lot of receivership, which is the state version of bankruptcy. And we are seeing for the people who do have successful assets and businesses, we're seeing a lot of turnover. I'm calling it the great turnover right now. A lot of these individuals who are awarded the licenses pursuant to the lotteries seven to 10 years ago are now turning them over to more well-financed, um, often more business savvy individuals who may not be in it for the love of the plant, but hopefully are still going to maintain some of that authenticity. But you're right, you know, if you enter into agreements that don't look down the road, if you enter into agreements that don't see around potential corners, if you're not anticipating what the regulations could be, then you are entering into an agreement that is going to hamstring your business in the future and might subject you to personal liability. So, you know, I would love to be able to take some of those mistakes that we learned, no fault to the industry participants themselves, none. Right. and take those insights and bring them to the East Coast, avoid those problems in the future, and really see a robust and healthy industry that isn't suffering those setbacks that a lot of the pioneers of the legal markets really suffered on behalf of the industry on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're starting to hear signs of investment dollars slowing down at least 
going into that cannabis space. Everybody's kind of looking over their shoulder. Is that recession coming or not? You know, we were everybody's kind of wary about that. Sarah, you're nodding your head. Um, access to capital continues to be the barrier to entry. Are there any funds out there that are specifically earmarked for women-run enterprises? There are definitely more funds coming about that are investing more thoughtfully and on kind of those terms. So there definitely are. They're, they tend to be on the smaller side in terms of the capital they give because they're kind of, you know, getting up and running too. Um, they're not as established, but they are out there. And, you know, I feel like when you're fundraising, a lot of the times you have to make sure you're going to the right group. So even if you hear a cannabis fund, that cannabis fund is not going to fund every single thing in every single vertical. Everybody has their own specific, um, you know, platforms that they invest in. So for example, you know, if you're a seed, if you're raising your seed round, you should go to seek investors who play in that sandbox, you know, make sure you know who you're going to ask from before you ask. And that's a huge part of it too. People aren't asking the right people. Absolutely. Um, let's take a step back and look at the huge picture of investment in business in the United States. Okay. Yeah. There are these funds out there that people put money in and they're either tied to the cannabis industry or they're not, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that being, that's where I'm starting to hear they're not filling up as much. Now, Heidi, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot or anything like that, but I want to know if the if the male is controlling the dollar moving forward in this industry, what impact will that have on economic empowerment females who are going for licenses and what have you? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting point. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to emphasize this. You know, women, um, much to the point we were just discussing a moment ago, we don't often ask for the resources we need when it comes to capital in the first place. If you look at the statistics, I believe it was American Express did a study last year that said that women on average ask for $35,000 or less in business loans on average, which is incredible to me when you look at the dollars that we're actually spending um, throughout this industry. But you know, there is no question that private equity and private consumer financing, there's no question that it's male dominated. I was just doing a little research before we jumped on this show, and I believe Harvard Business School said that less than 6% of private equity participants are female. So you're not seeing that collaboration on the uh, capital markets level at all. You're not seeing women empowering women in that space because they're not in that space. So they're not able to elevate each other into that space, which is work that we're actively doing now. So what we need to do as women, and maybe this is my logical lawyer brain, is to show these individuals why they need us, why they are, why these industries need us not only to succeed, but also to develop their own, um, their own market of consumers that will be able to come back to them and utilize their, their project, their products. You know, if you look at the health and wellness space, which really to me is what cannabis is, women control 90% of those household decisions right. about what wellness looks like for your home, for your community. So maybe if we need to, you know, if we can't pound our chest and enjoy, you know, get into the capital market in kind of the traditional old school male way, then we need to win them over with logic and our dollars. And I think we can do that. I think it just starts with a little bit of awareness and intentional spending um, from the market side. 
Um, Sarah, you know, uh, especially now that you're seeing New York come on board, they're really focused on economic empowerment opportunities in that market. You know, when cannabis started to become decriminalized and, and legalized for adult use in some of these states, uh, you're, always, you're always getting uh, the little person. I'm not going to, you know, put a name or a gender on that. The little person uh, starting up and thinking, hey, you know what? I'm going to go for a license. I'm going to open up a storefront and, you know, we're going to make a million gazillion dollars. Well, it's, A, it's not that easy. And B, the multi-state operator really is not necessarily dictating what's going on in each state, but they're playing a very important role to kind of get the industry going mm -hmm. and you know, you heard what was going on in Washington. Um, what's your opinion about the multi-state operators? Because they're the, they're probably the ones that absorbed a lot of those women at the C-level positions and didn't rehire them. I'm just going on facts here, not necessarily an opinion. Didn't necessarily hire them back into those positions mm -hmm. when they acquired a smaller company. So what is, let's talk about the multi-state operator and their role in this industry. And I'm going to choose my words very carefully. I understand too, that. I, that I, I, very I, small. No industry. names, no names. And I have dear friends who are women who they are few and far between in their C-suites. Um, but it is not a secret that they absolutely need to diversify their C-suites. I mean, across the board and, you know, have females be in charge of the PL, like not just having them in, you know, and I'm not dissing these, but like marketing roles and things like that. We actually need them in the CFO spots. We need them in the VP, you know, the CROs, like all of those, we need them to drive the actual bottom line and we can do it. We're just not being given those opportunities. And I don't have the answer why, because there is so much amazing talent out there that people need to scoop up. Yeah, Let, let's talk about talent for a second. It's a completely different definition uh, in the business world, as opposed to my world, which yes. was always on camera. I just yes. want to make sure we understand that. I was talking to a recruiter of a major recruitment firm. Uh, I think I could say flower hire. I'm not <laughs> going to name who it was, but uh, we talked about the challenges. If you happen to be an older person and you don't fit into that square peg or round hole that the business plan says you should be uh, fitting into at this level in the multi-state operator level. Um, Heidi, and I, I think I see an old friend, Jackie, now joining Jackie! us too. There she is. But I'm going to go to Heidi first, and then Jackie will come back and introduce you. You were late to, you were late to class, so we're going to make you do a lap, okay? Um, so, so Heidi, my point, my point is I don't understand why the cookie cutter mentality exists with a startup industry where you can't, you know, you should have that feeling of a startup, kind of like what we do here, where I wear a gazillion hats. Why wouldn't that happen uh, for, for hiring practices when some of these MSOs make their acquisitions? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it feeds into what we were just discussing a moment ago about really recognizing who you are serving in the industry. You know, you might create a product, you might create a brand and find that it appeals to someone that you didn't intend for it to appeal to. Well, that's your customer, serve them. There's no, you know, pride or ego in this. And I think that's one of the things that we are seeing immensely, especially during uh, the pandemic is that women are driving sales 
And the biggest actual increase in sales was individuals 55 and up. So I think we need to start speaking to those individuals. I think dispensaries and other points of access that offer those individuals will see benefits in that space. And I think we have seen that on the West Coast as well, but it does take intentionality. And again, just winning with logic, winning with business. Right. And one person who's been tied to that West Coast community for a while now is Jackie Bryant, now the managing editor of San Diego Magazine. I don't think officially I've ever congratulated you, uh, Jackie, on that. So congratulations on that. I was a fan of Jackie's because I read her as a freelance journalist mm -hmm. and follow her on her newsletter. Jackie, how are you? How are you doing? I'm great. Sorry, I'm late. I had some technical difficulties. And then, of course, I had to restart my computer right at the exact moment. <laughs> Murphy's Law. So, yeah, I was like, oh, great. This is just a series of, of total calamities. One right. Another. And so, as long as you don't right. throw it out the window, we all want to do that sometimes, oh, right? <laughs> but thank uh, you. And thanks for, for waiting for me and for hanging out. No, <laughs> of course. You're still one of our favorites. Um, you, you probably have heard some of the conversation we're talking about, in your opinion, and I know you're in California, what is the biggest barrier to entry for economic empowerment applicants that are happen to be female? Ooh, well, I mean, I'm sure this has been said already, and but access to capital. Um, the, the, the truth is, is just, and, and I see it all the time. You know, I report on all aspects of the cannabis industry and at all points in the supply chain and in all different legalities. So I know people who are hardcore trappers up in the hill or, and, you know, people who are in boardrooms. And the one thing in common in all of those spaces is that it's, pretty hard for women to get into them. Um, you kind of have to have a certain personality or you have to be anointed or somebody has to want to sleep with you or they want something for you. I mean, it's really the truth. And so like, do you get in that room and get in that circle and be somewhere where you're in that conversation? Um, it's a, it's a puzzle that not everybody can solve, nor should they have to. So um, I think that that's really the biggest thing is, is the simple fact that, you know, um, it's like in, in finance, right? Where, um, you know, people go golfing and that's how you make deals. Um, there's there's different ways of socializing in the cannabis industry and women just don't always make it into those circles. So I think that's honestly probably one of the biggest barriers. Yeah, you know, you know it's interesting. There, there are gender specific characteristics in business because of that corporate structure, okay? And I happen to know a very, very, very successful uh, former corporate person and also a current corporate person that is CEO of a major advertising company. And, you know, I, there are certain characteristics of the CEO, the person who's calling the shots. I, I heard the word ego in there. Women have their egos in control. At least, again, this is my opinion. I think men are driven right. by ego and they make- I mean, I, of course I'll agree with that. Yes, <laughs> that's a fact. I mean, obvious. I was like screaming yes. at my therapist this week, men and their ego. So yeah, like, that's not even a joke. I'm like actually dead serious about that. So it's a fact, Jimmy. It's not an opinion anymore. I, I, get, I get I'm just trying to be balanced. Jeff, talk <laughs> but you show, get, okay? you get any- I do have friends that are guys that <laughs> and call me names because they think I have- female genitalia parts without no. using the word, okay? Uh, and, you would and only I, be so lucky. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I said, you know? <laughs> Although I will say, just from a perspective of, of a heterosexual male, I have the utmost respect for females, I really do, because you, could, you guys could do something that we'll never do, okay? And then you are cursed 
every month if you catch my drift until that goes away and that right to that ability to reproduce goes away and then you have to deal with menopause and i'm sorry that is just unfair you know you i mean you can I, deal with men every day on top of it it's crazy <laughs> Yeah, and only get paid 81 cents to a dollar. I mean, right. we can just keep going. Yeah, we're, getting, yeah. we're getting the short end of the stick in like yes. a lot of ways here. <laughs> uh, is, is, the, is the boardroom changing in the cannabis space because of where we're at? You know, we know the facts and figures. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to ask you that question right, right off because I'm going to guess that you have perhaps a little bit more experience dealing with those the MSOs and, and the biggies in the in the industry, and maybe I'm profiling here uh, about no, RQ, but you know that's okay. your reputation. So, <laughs> yes. um, are, are we seeing any move? You know, the Me Too movement came along. Is it impacting the cannabis space? I guess, and I'll, I'll get a uh, I'll get something from everybody on that. Sarah, go ahead. I think slowly but surely, but I think half of the or part of the reason is that women are pursuing those opportunities more. They're not just waiting for them to come to them; they are actively seeking and actively pursuing and going for them because they now feel worthy enough. Even though we have been, but it's you know that whole imposter thing and confidence and everything thing. They may have not felt worthy, but like for me, part of what I do is try to empower women in the space as much as I can and say, yes, you deserve to be in that boardroom. Yes, you deserve to be on that VPC. Yes, you deserve to ask for what you want. And that's just really quickly. So Heidi, you mentioned before, you know, um, on average, women were asking for $35,000 less on their business loans. We see over and over and over women not asking for enough capital when they're raising. And there was this like comment going around, like, may you have the confidence of a tech bro raising money, you know, like basically, because they have no problem going out and asking for $20 million for an idea on a napkin, whereas women are like... I think I need 75,000 and you're like, no, you need a million dollars because you don't want to keep doing this and you deserve it. You know, so it's like this weird thing happening. So I'm here to say, ask for more money, ask for more money. Always, every every time, even if you know there's, there's not more, because even if you just ask and you set that precedent, trust me, they will, they will screw with you less. (laughs) That's right. That's good. That's good. Go ahead, Heidi. Yeah, I totally agree. One hundred. I'm so enthusiastic about this. I totally agree. And you know, if you're not one of those bulldogs, if you're not somebody who can speak up in a meeting, that's okay. Partner with somebody who is, yes. you know, I will often go in, I'll, I'll have somebody say, can you do a quick contract review for me? And I'll say, hold on a second. We need to have a conversation about what you are giving up with this agreement. And that's a really unique space. If I got to say one thing on this talk, what I would want to say is, If women are claiming their place in this industry by submitting applications and starting a business from scratch, the most important thing is to be that bulldog. Don't give away your equity. Don't give away the right to add other investors. Don't give away board seats on your board of directors. Don't give it away. And if you can't say that, I'm more than happy to go into a conversation and tell somebody that $100,000 is chump change while they're trying to say the opposite to my client and have them give up a substantial amount of equity. You just need to partner with women like are on this group and we will have that voice for you until you're able to do it for yourself. But if you don't start off with that voice, you're going to give up something that's gonna make it so that, like I said in the beginning, your hands are tied behind your back when it comes to decision time. So I would say, embrace that personality. If it's an act you have to put on, if you have to put on a different outfit, do it. But you need to start there. 
And again, if you can't do it for yourself, there's women here who will do it for you. Right. Yeah. Jackie, I know you have something to say on this subject. Go ahead. Is this something to say? <laughs> I mean, I just, it's, it's interesting. I just, and it's not really related to, but, but just, I guess the, the, yeah, the role of women and how they're perceived in this industry. Yeah. Like I, this is a belabored point, but it is an uphill battle. And, and it's something that I think is, is, is more relevant than ever. It's always relevant, of course, but you know, there are statistics and unfortunately I don't have them off the top of my head, but that do show that, you know, women's per the, 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 the percentage of women in boardrooms in cannabis has declined um, over the last couple of years. And also at the same time, I think in periods of difficulty, economic strife in general, we see this in society, you know, it, during periods of recession, domestic violence um, rates go up. It's, you can kind of feel the same vibe in the industry, honestly, like now that things are fraught in California, especially, and in many other states, people are getting freaked out. They're about to lose their businesses. Uh, times are tough, tensions are high, and, and you can feel it. You can, I've seen it in, in conversations. I've seen it in email trails that people have, you know, passed to me. I've seen it in the way that men have treated me in the industry versus, you know, even a year ago. And so I feel like when people get stressed, their worst tendencies to come out. And for some it's misogyny. And I feel like that's really, it's, it's something happening in the industry, like right now, like it, it's coming up in a big way and it's coming out with all the tensions because, you know, when, you, when you're pissed and you're nervous, the, the, the worst things come out. So I don't know. I feel this very like acutely at this moment in time because of, I think, all of the, 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 uh, the, the tough spot the industry is in in many respects. I'm going to throw in a tip from my female partner. Uh, respond, don't react. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's for I anybody. Learned that. The hard way, but I <laughs> fame, Jimmy. Trust me, you know. <laughs> I get it. We uh, responding. No, and it's never good because then they have control over you, right? Right. Well, you know what? It, it's collaboration. This is really where this is the key to a relationship. This is the key to success in business. You know, don't don't have to be the first to 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 market. The first uh, to have an exclusive interview. You know. It's okay. Everybody gets to use, gets to watch and decide what they want when they want it. Now the consumer is in charge of absorbing media content. So you know, it's not necessary really to be first anymore. It used to be when there was three networks and everybody had to, you know, have dinner at home and watch the news. That was you know ancient. Yeah. You read about it in your history books. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> I want you to have an opportunity to talk about the women's inclusive event in Los Angeles uh, that ArcView is involved with. Go, go ahead. Sure, absolutely. And this is kind of born out of what Jackie just said. You know, we're not necessarily like welcome or invited into certain spaces in this industry. And I myself at events by myself surrounded by amazing women. And I think we just tend to be drawn to each other and, you know, consuming and just hanging and all of that. So this event is next Thursday. It's for our Women's Inclusion Network, but it's for anyone in the industry at all. So it's being held at Green Street and it's a day long event and there will be an operator panel and we have Wanda James and Whitney Conroy from Curaleaf and we have Allison Krongard from Her Highness. And then we also have an investor panel as well. So really talking about creative ways to get capital. And then we have two pitch events. So we have 12 female founded companies who are seeking seed funding or pitching. And then we also have five series A female founded companies who are seeking funding who will be pitching as well. 
So it, it's going to be a day long, you know, event full of education and connections and lots of weed. <laughs> that is awesome. That's really Thank awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And it's 110 women. Because that's how it happens. You see how deals get done, both of you, every day, right? Like that's sometimes that is how it happened. You're like at it, not even an event. Like you're at dinner, you're at drinks, and someone goes, "Okay, we want to do this. Let's do this. Okay, we'll talk on Monday." Like it yep. really is as simple as just being there and being yeah. there. Yeah, Going and up. we have a lot of investors coming as well. So Merida is one of the sponsors. They'll have a lot of um, women, their women uh, there as well. So a lot of female investors. So it's just a whole day of you know, great, great vibes. And I know that word is overused in this industry in general, but really like support and connections and all of that. And we just, you know, wanted a platform and a space to do this for the women in the industry. Well, I'll tell you, Heidi, Sarah, and Jackie, you've set the bar very high now for the next two panels that we're going to bring <laughs> in here. And, and, and again, there was no pun intended there. Okay. <laughs> The point, the point is, you guys, you guys were terrific. You guys were terrific. Thank you so much. I love connecting both coasts because yes. there's a lot of excitement here on the East Coast. You know, there's a lot of attention being uh, looked at uh, the New York State experience, which we all know is predicted to be equal to California in five to 10 years. I mean, but that's still pretty amazing to say coming out of the gate. And, you know, this is what we do. This is what I like to do is to create uh, an opportunity to learn from the mature markets in the West now that they're opening in the East. So Heidi, Sarah and Jackie, again, thank you so much for joining us here on a Friday afternoon. We're going to take a break. Green Rush Live will continue after this with a whole new group of smart, beautiful women. Hey. You want to grow your own plants? Check out Style Lighting's Grow Kit. It has everything you need to become an expert home grower and bring the power of the sun indoors. Style Lighting uses TCP's high-powered commercial LEDs that deliver twice the output in the market. The Grow Kit has a grow bag, a timer, chains to hang the light, and of course the best in the business lighting system by TCP. Check out stylelighting.shop for more information.
You would think that it is. However, there's quite a bit of debate right now in the accounting industry when it relates to cannabis with this exact question. Um, I'm part of a few different networking groups that are solely accountants for cannabis companies. And there's been quite a bit of back and forth in those communities and discussion regarding whether 280E, if it went away, if the administration legalized cannabis or took it off of schedule one, what would happen? And it could go either way right now. The debate is it can make the accountant's life much easier. Uh, that's what a lot of the inexperienced accountants are saying right now, it seems. Whereas the accountants that have been in this industry for a while and have, and have gone through the same thing that happened with hemp a few years ago are saying that it'll actually will make lives more difficult because when hemp became declassified a while back, the accounting became more complicated.